We return this morning to Hebrews and begin this morning the fifth chapter, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 to 5 this morning. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron, so also Christ. Glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Father, we thank you this morning for a text that does connect directly to what we preached in the last hour. In the last hour, we talked about Psalm 2-7, Today thou art my son, begotten. We said that that ancient messianic prophecy, Psalm 7, 2-7, is compared by Paul to the ascension of Jesus Christ after death, burial, and resurrection. And our passage today ends with the same verse of Scripture, Psalm 2-7, that references the ascension of Jesus Christ after death, burial, and resurrection in order that we might contemplate the blessedness of his high priestly ministry. So we pray today that as we introduce the topic on this Lord's Day, that you would bless the hearing of your people with confidence and joy, that you would draw sinners unto yourself and save some. We'll thank you in advance for Jesus' sake and for his blessed name. Amen. God deemed it important that the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, the resurrection of Christ would take place in conjunction with the Jewish holiday of Passover. Pesach, as it is called among the Jewish people, has been their defining yearly holiday for over 3,000 years. Author Gary Burgey laments that modern Christian churches barely know how to anchor the defining story of Christ on the cross into the festival calendar of the Jewish people. Upon study, there is compelling connection between the resurrection of the Savior on the third day and the Jewish celebration of first fruits. Likewise, it is hard for modern Christians to know how to anchor the truth of Christ, to the ceremonial truths of ritual offerings and sacrifices 
that were under the law. The book of Hebrews, the Old Testament office of high priest is, is, uh, is featured, beginning particularly at verse five, uh, chapter 5, in order that it might be demonstrated that Jesus Christ is uh, the high priest of all high priests. Israel's first high priest, Aaron, who is referenced in verse 4, is held in comparison to our Lord Jesus Christ. The key words of the introductory verses that we read, Hebrews 5, 1 to 5, the key words are three in number at the front end of verse 5, so also Christ. There's a comparison being made here between all of the high priests, first starting with Aaron and then those after him, right until the ultimate expression of Jesus Christ as our high priest. So also Christ, a comparison relative to the office of high priest. Now those of you that have been studying the things of Christ for a number of years, you know that the Old Testament scripture lays down the foundation of foreshadowing the coming of Messiah in the terms of the capital P prophet, the capital P priest, and the capital K king. Prophet, priest, and king, Old Testament offices, are uniquely used to foreshadow him who is the ultimate prophet, priest, and king, Jesus Christ. And in our text, as we're studying through the book of Hebrews, uh, we have a special feature now uh, that is going to be extended for a long, long period of time. I think it's safe to say that we might not finish uh, 2022 uh, without uh, uh, still being involved in the topic of uh, Christ as our high priest. Because the introduction uh, in earnest of Christ as the high priest here in Hebrews chapter 5 continues for the next five chapters. Will we make it through five chapters by the end of this year? I don't think so. So uh, uh, we'll be at this for a while. So these words of introduction are important to the aspect of our ongoing study on the, in the second hour on Sunday morning. And, uh, and Hebrews 5 is, uh, is of course, uh, bringing in a, a sense of focus and deliberation uh, something that has been kind of sprinkled along the way thus far in Hebrews, uh, but is really in earnest now becoming the focus point between the high priestly ministry as rep represented first in Aaron and those following him, and now, verse 5, so also as seen in Jesus Christ. Now the thought of, uh, of Christ as the uh, uh, high priest was introduced in Hebrews in chapter 1, and in verse 3, where we read that he uh, by himself purged our sins. And that is a clear reference to the ministry of a high priest. And then in 2.17, uh, the Lord Jesus is referred to as a merciful and faithful high priest. And then we were told in chapter 3 and verse 1 that Christ as an apostle or missionary messenger and high priest as the missionary and messenger of our faith, as the mediator between God and man, is to be perpetually considered. The command of chapter 3 and verse 1 is, Consider the apostle and high priest of your confession, Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 4, 
Verse 14, we found that our high priest is beyond compare and that our access uh, to the throne of grace in heaven is based upon our relationship with Jesus Christ, our great high priest. In fact, 416 ends with these words, let us therefore come boldly, where? Onto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We've already seen uh, this uh, topic being treated in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, but now at chapter 5, the intensity light is turned on, and in a more even deliberate way, uh, we are going to be considering and considering and considering the uniqueness of the risen Lord Jesus Christ in the terms of our great high priest. Now, since Aaron is particularly referenced in verse 4, you and I will be, re, uh, be uh, uh, we will be well to be reminded of Aaron's commission by God at the hands of Moses as recorded in Exodus chapter 28. If you turn there quickly with me this morning, Exodus chapter 28, I'll read 1 to 4 just to remind us of the way in which God, through Moses, uh, ordained and appointed Aaron uh, for his ministry uh, as high priest and initiated a whole family of high priests after him, Aaron and his sons. It wasn't a junkyard business. It wasn't, a, uh, it wasn't an auto sale business. It wasn't a hamburger business. Aaron and sons was the priestly business in the nation of Israel. And the reason why you and I are interested in Aaron and his sons is because of Jesus Christ and his sons. And the family business that you and I are engaged in this very day, in this very moment, as believing priest. Aaron was the high priest of his family of sons. Jesus Christ is the high priest of his family of sons. Which family many of us are or belong to? Exodus 28, And take thou unto thee Aaron, thy brother, and his sons with him, from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Even Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate and an ephod and a robe and an embroidered coat and a mitre and a girdle, and they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. 
at the initiation, at the appointment of Aaron as high priest in Israel, Aaron was appointed to minister to God, says that twice, minister unto me, two times said in the text, read, on behalf of the people. And the family of sons were to assist Aaron, their father, in his high priestly work. Back to Hebrews chapter 5, we begin to make a comparison between those high priests like Aaron, appointed by God, and our high priest, our heavenly high priest, uh, Jesus Christ the Lord. As we read again uh, the context of chapter 5, verses 1 to 5, uh, we see that uh, there are at least four or five things true of every man that served the nation of Israel as a high priest. The introduction into this intensive study on the high priestly ministry of Jesus Christ begins with uh, four or five things that are stated as true concerning every man that ever served of God as a high priest. Most of the things we'll point to are all found in that first verse, but, but we'll cover uh, most of verses 1 to 4 anyhow this morning uh, as we uh, quickly introduce the passage as it unfolds before us in the sacred text. Number one, every high priest was a Jewish man ordained or appointed by God. Verse 1, for every high priest taken from among men is ordained, is appointed, taken from among or taken out and from among men. And in the particular case of Israel, uh, Jewish men. And uh, both Moses and Aaron were Levites. And so we associate the tribe of Levi with priestly ministry. While, in fact, angels were used uh, by God in communication uh, at Sinai, no angel could fulfill the requirement of God for a high priest. The high priest had to be elect of God. The high priest had to be a Jewish man. The high priest had to be a Jewish man of the tribe of Levi, Aaron being the first. Every high priest was a Jewish man as ordained. Second thing true of every high priest, biblical high priest, every high priest was placed or set up by God to benefit the Jewish people. Now the emphasis of Exodus 28, when we just read those words again from the Old Testament scripture, was upon the fact that Aaron was to minister to God. Aaron was to minister to God. And that's stated twice in Exodus 28. Here in Hebrews 5, you have the other side of that coin of truth as the emphasis upon uh, the ministry for men. To God for men. To God for men. Again, look at the verse. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men. Ordained for the benefit of people, God's people. And not just in a general or generic kind of a way, but as it says, in things pertaining to God. 
And so every high priest was set up by God to the benefit of the Jewish people for the appointment of people concerning the things of Yahweh, the things of God. The high priest mediated the relationship between God to whom he ministered and the people for whom he ministered. The high priest represented the people to God and God to the people. Both God and the people were benefited by the high priestly ministry uh, that was conducted beginning with Aaron. Now the third thing is that every high priest oversaw the required bloodless and bloody sacrifices made necessary for approaching Almighty God. We continue to read in verse 1, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he, the high priest, may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Gifts and sacrifices. Why two things? Well, there are certain offerings that were bloodless and are particularly packaged in such a way as it relates to worshiping God. And then there are uh, uh, sacrifices that are bloody, and they particularly have to do with the aspect of dealing with individual sins in relationship to worshiping God. So the high priest oversaw the bloodless uh, offerings and the bloody sacrifices for approaching Almighty God, for God is holy, and the way to God was prescribed as holy relative to offerings and sacrifices overseen by the high priest. Fourthly, every high priest knew that he must approach God on behalf of people after first dealing with God concerning his own sins and human weaknesses. Verses 2 and 3. Who can have compassion? The high priest, as appointed by God, is a man who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself is also compassed with infirmity. He also bears weaknesses. He also is and was a sinful man. That resulted in, uh, uh, as it were, uh, an interesting uh, word in the original, metropatheo. Uh, uh, that resulted in compassion on the high priest part, as referenced in verse 2. That high priest can have compassion. That high priest can, can have a sense of sympathy and empathy uh, with the people that he's working with because he himself is a man of weakness. The Jewish high priest usually operated on behalf of people kindly and with understanding as one like them in weakness. I just read this past week uh, uh, in that Old Testament section where David is on the run for his life from King Saul and he ends up going, uh, as it were, to the tabernacle and he approaches the high priest and he says, do you have anything to eat here? And the high priest says, no, we don't have anything except the bread that has been set aside to, uh, to be placed before God. We just put the fresh loaves on the table. We just took the, the old loaves off the table. That's all we got. And David said, I'll take it. 
and the high priest uh, uh, was a man, uh, and because he was a man, uh, he knew what it was to be hungry. He knew what it was to be on the run uh, as uh, feeling threatened. And he took up from the old breadstock that had come out of the, the holy place, and he gave five loaves to David and said, here you go, take this to your guys and let them eat it. He had compassion. Now, if there had been Johnny the rule keeper there in that moment, he might have said, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. That was the bread that was set before God. And even though it's off the table from God and was yesterday's bread and not today's bread, you ought to not do it. You ought to not do it. That was the bread for God. That was the bread for God. That was the bread for God. I mean, you can just hear some Baptist deacon going off right there. Some Johnny legalist just going after it right there. And yet the high priest that is serving during that period of time, he knows what it is to be hungry. What does Jesus tell us we ought to do when somebody says, I'm hungry? Jesus said, you say, I'll pray for you. <laughs> no! Jesus said, if you got something to eat, give them something to eat. Share! Have compassion on your fellow man. So Hebrews 5 is telling us that the high priest, because he was a man of weakness, because he was a man who knew how to, that he sometimes got really hungry. He was a man that knew what it was to be under threat, that he was a man who himself had personal sins to have to deal with, uh, that he was uniquely postured so as to be compassionate towards those for whom he ministered. He didn't pray as somebody that was high, 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 high above all the people. He prayed and ministered as one who was among the people. One needing God's forgiveness and touch. Just like me, just like you. And so usually, there's some exceptions in the biblical record, but usually the Jewish high priest operated on behalf of people kindly and understood as one like them in weakness. And then as a part of number four, or you might call it number five, you have in verse four, and no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. Every high priest was called of God for this particular and important ministry he did not take the honor of that office onto himself. Now, those four or five common things that were true for every single high priest, starting with Aaron, are going to be applied in some way in the next five chapters to Christ. And so you have at the beginning of verse 5, so also Christ. Jesus Christ over the next number of chapters uh, will be seen uh, in the light of uh, these four or five truths common for all high priests as it relates to his superior, his greater of the great, uh, high priestly ministry in heaven as our Redeemer and our Savior. We'll begin in earnest that comparison next week. But for now, especially in light of the holiday at hand, I'd like to work to apply 
the truths of commonality that are going to be applied to Christ. I'd like to use those truths and apply those truths uh, to uh, our heavenly high priest here and now in relationship to the matter of celebration, in relationship to the ongoing issue of sinful violation, and in relationship to the uniqueness of uh, great expectation that we have in the Lord Jesus. We begin with the fact that the whole of the high priestly ministry directed people in the way to God, the worship of God, and fellowship with God. Biblical celebration as celebrated in the scripture is about the way to God for the worship of God and fellowship with God. Biblical celebration is all about the way to God, the worship of God, and fellowship with God. All the offerings and sacrifices overseen by the high priest directed the people to God. Minds and hearts were directed to God in the holy way that God himself had prescribed. Not only did the high priest direct all the people to God, but they directed the people for God's glory, for the worship of God, that God would be praised, that God would be thanked, that God would be worshipped, that God would be glorified. And they not only directed all of the people to God in the holy way prescribed, and for God's glory, but for fellowship between God and his people. The high priest was in charge of access to God, praise and thanksgiving for God, and fellowship with God. The particular zone of the high priest's ministry, again, was access to God, praise and thanksgiving for God, and fellowship with God. That is his particular responsibility and role as high priest. There was not a more essential or dignified office among all the Jewish people than that of high priest. The priestly instruction book of the Bible, the priestly instruction book of the Old Testament, Leviticus, has two thematic parts. The book demonstrates that the only way to approach the Holy One is by bloody sacrifice. And the book goes on to say that God's people are to walk in holiness as the means to uh, fellowship. So all of Leviticus in its two parts not only underscores the truth that the only way to approach God is bloody sacrifice, but then the only way to uh, fellowship with God is by means of being holy because he is holy. And you just summarize the entirety of the book of, of Leviticus. Our risen Lord, of course, is the exclusive way to God and said so. The Lord's followers of the first century were likewise called followers of the way long before they were ever called Christians. Our way to God 
is secured in Christ. We then must understand how all worship and fellowship is likewise directed by and through our high priest. Christ as our high priest is the one way to God. Almost every Baptist knows that. But our high priest is the not only the one way to God, but he is the only way that believers can exercise themselves for God's perpetual glory and praise. Or, to say it otherwise, you simply do not worship God without Jesus Christ. Can't. Can't do it. You will not be received apart from your high priest, Jesus Christ. Christ, our high priest, is not only the one way to God, and he's not only the one for God in perpetual glory and praise, but is also the exclusive one in whom we have opportunity of fellowship together with God. The high priest governs all access to God. He governs all worship for God. He governs all fellowship with God. You cannot be at peace and fellowship with God apart from Jesus Christ. Christ. I trust you had that in, in, in mind this morning as you came together with your brothers and sisters in Christ for to worship God. This celebration, this day of celebration, this holiday, as it's called, for most families has nothing to do with to God, of God, and with God. By the way, that is likewise true for Memorial Day, the 4th, Labor Day, Thanksgiving, and Christmas on the American calendar. Our superior high priest, the Lord Jesus, uniquely ministers in this sphere of to God, of God, with God on our behalf. Biblical holidays as specified in the Old Testament for Israel, not for us, biblical holidays were celebrations all about to God, for God, with God. Celebrations, as biblically construed, are all about to God, for God, with God. Jesus Christ, our high priest, ministers today as he did yesterday, and the day before, on my behalf and yours as believers, in the zone of to God, for God, and with God. If you truly, as a believer, celebrate a day as separated for speciality or holy. If you do celebrate a day as holy, well then, biblically speaking, it would have to be about a day to God, for God and with God. I find it interesting and compelling that Israel was given a new start to the year in relationship to their deliverance as celebrated at Passover. The agricultural calendar previously followed by Israel was changed so that the new year began in the spring of the year in direct relationship to the deliverance of Israel and Passover. It's as if deliverance changed everything 
by way of the calendar. Likewise, our deliverance in Christ reorientates the totality of our lives so that everything in our lives as believers is to God and of God and for God. And so let me suggest that today we might rightly celebrate the day by saying one to another, Happy New Year. New life in Christ. Abundant and free. Apply the truth of Christ the High Priest to the celebration. Secondly, let's apply the truth of our great High Priest to personal violation. Look at the words in verse 2, who can have compassion on the ignorant. And the phrase, out of the way. The Old Testament high priest could only deal with sins done ignorantly or unintentionally, never a sin committed willfully. No Old Testament high priest, starting with Aaron, had the capacity to do anything by way of bloodless or bloody sacrifices so as to deal with an individual who had deliberately sinned against God. Numbers chapter 15 calls willful sin presumptuous sin. There was no sacrifice for presumptuous sin in the Old Testament order of sacrifices under the law. No sacrifice for willful sin. Therefore, when David had Uriah murdered to cover his adulterous act, with Bathsheba, he eventually cried out to God for deliverance from blood guiltiness, saying, quote, Thou, God, desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. David said to God, If there was, was 10,000 sheep, or 20,000 sheep, or 60,000 sheep, or 20 million sheep that I could kill in order to cover my sin with Bathsheba and the death of Uriah, I'd do it. But God, I know that's not what you want. Psalm 51, David said, God, I know that's not what you want. You see, David had presumptuously sinned. He had deliberately sinned. He couldn't say, <clears throat> it just got the better of me. No. He deliberately sinned. And uh, presumptuously sinned. And so David wrote and said, Thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou desirest not burn, uh, thou delightest not in burnt offering. God, your pleasure really isn't in the blood of any, of any lamb, of any bloody sacrifice. He goes on to say, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. David understood that there was no priest on earth that could deal with his willful sin of adultery and murder. Thus, as a broken man, he cried out to God directly for deliverance and cleansing. And then think about these words. So, also, Christ, our great high priest, is God. Our great high priest is sinless man. 
He has both made provision for all by bloody sacrifice, his once for all bloody sacrifice, and as God can grant forgiveness to any person with a broken and contrite heart. What am I saying? I'm saying Jesus can do something that no other high priest on earth has ever able to do. Or as we preached in the last hour, Paul was actually the preacher saying, know this, in the name of Christ, we can talk to you about the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus Christ is a great high priest able to facilitate our access to God, our worship of God, and our fellowship with God. Most Baptist people are just stuck on the access level of the reality of the high priestly ministry of Christ and thinking that they have some sense of access to God They've laid down and rested on their laurels. And the reality is, all celebration, and in light of all our actual violations, you and I ought to be most interested in the glories of our high priest who gives us access to God and creates worship opportunity before God and indeed allows actual fellowship with God here and now. Last thing, hours gone. Let's make a quick application to our great high priest and expectation. Jesus said in the New Testament Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. People with humility and understanding of themselves as sinful are met in Jesus Christ with caring and compassion. His sympathy towards such people as us would be of little comfort if it were not for his capability. There are those who are caring but incapable. There are those who are capable but uncaring. But the Lord Jesus is presented to us and will be the more in coming verses of scripture in Hebrews 5 and beyond. Jesus is presented to us as both perfectly caring and perfectly capable. Meet again and again and again your perfectly capable and perfectly caring Lord Jesus Christ. He is able to deal with us as we actually are. Not just as we propose ourselves to be before others by some posting. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. You and I can have righteous expectations in Jesus Christ concerning our sins. As we studied last week, in him we can obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Our great high priest has conferred on us his blood-bought family a royal priesthood. Aaron and sons, Old Testament, Jesus and sons, New Testament, and the priesthood that the believer has in Jesus Christ grants each and every one of us in Christ immediate access before God, the blessedness of worshiping God in spirit and in truth, and the enjoyment of actual fellowship with God here and now. 
What a wonderful Savior. What a blessedness you and I have in our great high priest, Jesus Christ. Father, help us as a congregation to get it, to embrace it, to communicate concerning it, one to another and to others for your honor and glory. Help us in the days of the week ahead to talk about Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, the great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. May our hearts and minds, our lips and lives, honor you by honoring Christ, our risen Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. Let's stand.